Father God, I pray that you would anoint my lips, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and let us leave just a little bit different than we walk through the door, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up, guys? Was that powerful? Was that good? Kind of gives you a little bit of understanding of what our Savior went through for us. Even if you were the last person on earth, for some reason he likes us. I don't get it. He likes us. Ah, I love lean-tos. You know what a lean-to is? Well, you don't know what a lean-to is. Matthew, you know? A lean-to is something you, you build when you can't afford a garage. <laughs> That's why I have a lean-to. So I already did the deal. Remember my last sermon? Of course you don't. But a lot of you were here. Some of you remember it. The last sermon I did was about a life's highway. Making sure you don't get off to the left. And even though you're off on the right, you could be doing right things, but still going nowhere. Remember that? That was a condensed version. But when I got home, I was like, man, you know what I need? I got it. I got it. Here's the problem. I've got to get Lynn's car back under the carport. Because on March 29th, a massive hailstorm came through and it smoked Lynn's car. Now, it didn't hurt my Jeep because it's a Jeep. But it, 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 it really messed up Lynn's car, and uh, we had to have a bunch of hail damage repair. I tried to keep the money. It's a whole other story. They wouldn't let me. You can't do that anymore, apparently. So we had to have the car fixed. So fixed the car, but now I still have a problem because my camper, the one that you guys saw here, is under the carport, leaving Lynn's car out. So I purposed to build a lean-to, and I'm going through the whole process. Now, hear me say this. Who hates unfinished projects? Who has unfinished, unfinished stuff? Who knows neighbors that you judge every time you go by going, I wish they'd finished that when you have stuff of your own? We have a whole neighborhood. You want to find some good people to judge? Come to my neighborhood, amen? Just don't go to my house. Anyway, so I was like, man, here's the problem. I can go out and buy a carport for like 1200 bucks, which I don't have, um, or I can attempt to build one, but I remember projects throughout my 56 years unfinished. And I, I, I entered with some reservation on whether I was going to uh, do this if I had the energy to finish what I started. So I, I messed around with this thing, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go buy the wood, help me Jesus, literally, have the strength and the staying power to complete what I started. Because I don't want this thing to be, uh, you know, like them up the road that have, like, you know, the wood turns gray. You know, it takes wood three, four, five, six years to turn gray when you buy it from Home Depot. It takes a minute. So the, I didn't want to be that guy. Do you know God hates unfinished projects too? And I've seen people in this ministry, people that I've known on my walk, that God comes in and he changes their life. He puts a firm foundation. They are saved. It's a no doubt in my mind because I was there when it happened. Now, I don't know a man's heart, and I don't know how I measure it. It's between them and the Lord. But people that I've met that I truly believe had an encounter with the, the Spirit, and they understood they were sinners. They understood that the only way to heaven was through Christ on that cross. They placed their faith in Jesus, and they were giving a foundation. Right? And they start off great, man. They're rocking and rolling. Everything's just going great. And then something happens. They just kind of walk off. But the Bible's very clear. Philippians 1.6 says, God is faithful and just. He will finish what He started to do. If you gave your life to Jesus, and you truly, that's, I, I, I don't know, 
I don't know how that works. But you did it, and you know it's real. Your life will never make sense if you don't get in tune with God. It doesn't matter what you do. I know the most miserable people in the world know Jesus and aren't walking in His ways. They're miserable. Doesn't mean they're not saved. This means God has a plan, and you chose to be on left field, right field, whatever it is, and you uh, are miserable. So we're going to go back in time to Israel. By the way, let me say this clear and emphatically. Uh, some believe in replacement theology. They believe that the church has replaced Israel on the world stage. I don't believe that. This church does not ascribe to that. We believe God still has a plan for Israel. Right now, thank you, Jesus, the age of grace is opened up wide for the Gentile. One day that door will close, and then Israel will be invited back. And watch what's going to happen, because even right now the stage is being set for some radical things to happen in the Middle East. Thank you, Jesus. And Israel will come home and find the Messiah that they've been waiting for. But uh, concerning this, so let me, let me do a flyover. I'm going to attempt to do a flyover of why Israel's important. How many of you know why Israel's important? Israel's important because God chose them. There's nothing, nothing else. Nothing. They brought nothing to the table. It wasn't like, hey, I think they're really doing the right thing. I think I'm going to pick them. It wasn't like that. God just chose Israel to reveal his son through. Nothing is special about Israel. Other than God said, I choose you because of you, I'm going to put my law and I'm going to reveal the one true God out of a, a world gone crazy. I'm going to choose Israel to bring the Messiah, Jesus, that we just celebrated what he did for us to bring us back to him. It's, um, so Israel started out really good. Pretty good. Okay, fair. They got off... Uh, I'm going to fly this over real quick to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about in the book of Haggai. Some people say Haggai, but I say it's Haggai. It's, two, it's a two-page book. But very important, so much going on in Haggai. But in order to really understand Haggai, you've got to back up a little bit to understand where they're coming from. So Israel was chosen by God. Abram became Abraham. Abraham would be a plural, meaning there are a lot of people. He was Abram. Abraham would imply that I'm going to give you lots of people, lots of offspring, more than will number the sands on the beach, God told him. He said, oh, how are you going to do this thing? Because I'm nine, nine, nine years old. And my, my wife, well, girl, she's kind of like old. And, well, God blessed her with the baby. Wouldn't you know it? Through all of this stuff, you can go on down. You can follow Isaac and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and this and that. God made Israel. Called it Jacob. Changed the name to Israel. So Israel started out pretty good. But then they were, uh, I'm going to fast forward this a little bit. But all of a sudden, from nowhere, they said, we want a king. And God said, I am your king. Well, we want a king with some flesh on him. We want a king that, you know, with two legs. And so, uh, you know, as they do, men chose the handsome, tall guys. Okay, I'm not handsome or tall, but I really don't care, okay? They chose Saul, who was an evil king. No good. He was full of pride, full of all this stuff. Well, wouldn't you know it, right after him became David, Pretty much a hot mess. Adulterer, murderer. Man, he loved God, though. He just loved God. You get off track, and God would whip, pow, 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 pow. Love God, right? And then they go through all this thing. They keep getting off track, and eventually they split. And the ten tribes went north, and two tribes south. The ten tribes were Israel. The two southern tribes were Judah. Now, here's the thing. Israel, the ten tribes north, I don't even know if you can find any good kings they ever had, right? They held on. But now through, uh, I think there were 12 prophets, nine of the prophets spoke to these two before the captivity. There were three that spoke to them in captivity and after. 
Haggai being one of them. And they would come and say, you've got to get right. You've got to stop this stuff. You can't marry them people. You can't take the pagan gods. You can't do the Asherah poles, all these things. And they just kept thumbing their nose at God, even though they had seen uh, rescued from Egypt. You heard the Ten Commandments? You hold the whole story about how Moses busted them out and all that stuff. Pretty big deal. Put them up to the Red Sea. You would think that would be big enough if you were standing at the back, your back at the Red Sea, and God just said, open it up, and you walked on through. Would that get your attention? I don't think so. It wouldn't get mine. It would be for a minute. And you would forget. That's what we do. Because there are some red seeds in this church right here that God has opened up for, for you. And something happened. And you're already forgetting what God's done. But it's okay. Grace covers even that. But the more that we stick with Jesus, the more that we stick to the word, the more we are not prone to be like Israel and forget. That's why things like this are so important. So we don't want to forget what God has done. Israel made the mistake that forgot what God has done. And God warned them and warned them and warned them. Guess what they did to the people that warned them? Killed them. Kind of like today when you have a friend and you say, hey, brother, you know, I love you, man. I really do. Uh, they'll never talk to you again. If they're a fool, if you rebuke a fool, he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise person, he'll love you all the more. Obviously, Israel, the northern ten tribes were all fools because they killed all the prophets. And then on the southern, they were a little bit nicer, a little bit better, but they, were, they held out about another, I think, 722 is when the northern kingdom got taken away by the Babylonians, or the Assyrians, and the Babylonians came in in 586, and they took Judah off and hauled them off. So here it is, Israel, God's chosen people. The northern tribes went down when? 722. The southern tribes went down. They got carried off by Who? Babylonians. I always think it's really easy to remember A.B. Assyria came first. We went to Zumalt, so this is how we have to do things. Assyria came, hauled off the northern kingdom. The Babylon came in 586, and they, they took out the Assyrians, right? Well, years later, so they're in captivity now. God's crowning jewel, Israel, is now in captivity. And they've been hauled away. Why were they in back captivity? Because God was mean. He's a meanie their own stuff. I'm thinking, man, you know, and we do it today because I've seen, let me hit pause on this. It's so easy to judge Israel and thinking, man, I'll tell you what. Those guys were real idiots. Okay? We do the same thing today. We do. We forget. But God's gracious. His mercy are renewed every day. At the end of the day, you're like, talk, God, and I blew it again. You can come back to Jesus and say, forgive me. And he says, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then you wake up the next day. But the challenge is forgetting and just walking off the range. How do you keep the fire going after you've been walking with Jesus for 27 years? Or 27 days? 27 months? A lot of people in this room have been rescued from a lot of things. I'm not staring anybody down, but if I throw a rock into the crowd, somebody goes, ah, that's who I'm talking to. Okay? A lot of people in this room have been rescued from uh, bad marriages, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, whatever your thing was. You've been rescued from that. That's a hallelujah. And we forget and walk off from the God that saved us. That's what's going on. So here's the thing. While they're in captivity, uh, Cyrus, who is now the king of Persia. They've, okay, so remember, Assyria, Babylon, now Persia's on the scene. They're just, it's like Walmart. Going in and gobbling up Kmart. Then they gobble up this. But now Persia's gobbled up all. Okay? 
Cyrus is now the king in charge. And he says, you know what? You guys have been in Babylon here or for 50 years. I'm going to let you go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to let you build your temple. Is that awesome? Time out. You've been slaves for 50 years. Not able to worship your God. You're in a foreigner. You're in a pagan place. And the king says, I'm going to let you go back and worship your God and build your temple, build my temple. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Oh, okay, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was, what was, that, was, that was a pretty big deal. Why can't this be Barry's night? So, watch this. Turn your Bibles real quick to Ezra. Now, Ezra was given this task of going back uh, to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. And this is not what we're scoping in. Let me read the first part. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had been given through Jeremiah. Jeremiah had predicted this was going to happen hundreds of years before. You're going to be taken away. You're going to be hauled back. And then you're going to rebuild the temple. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all of the kingdoms of the earth. He's anointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel. And may your God be with you when this Jewish, wherever this Jewish remnant is found. Let their neighbors contribute toward the... In other words, he gave them everything that they needed to leave the captivity, go back to Jerusalem, and rebuild it. That's great news, right? And I think it's funny how a pagan king said, the Lord has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me. Don't think for a second that God can't use pagans to accomplish his mission. You know? He, uh, he can use whoever he wants. Turn to chapter 5 real quick, and then we're going to get in Haggai. You guys kind of understand a little bit of the bat trap? I mean, that's a quick flyover. Chapter 5. Let me say this. They were there for 15 or 16, 17 years working on the temple. Actually, they feverishly worked for about three and then quit. We're going to get into that to a second. So when Haggai comes onto the scene, remember they had been sent back 20 years ago to start rebuilding the temple by King Cyrus. Haggai comes onto the scene and nothing's going on. It would look like my carport. Hopefully does not look like. It would look like, wow, what happened? So Haggai comes on the scene. It's like, what, what, what gives? At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of God and Israel, was, who was over them. Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jeshua, had been a high priest. Uh, Zerubbabel was kind of like, or Zechariah was kind of like the. Uh, uh, he was a prophet, but whatever. Responded to them by starting a building. Let me say this, gentlemen. I, I get, I'm getting confused. So here he is, the work had stopped. Haggai shows up on the scene, and he's getting them moving. Remember, who went back to, at the beginning, Zerubbabel had gone back, and he's sitting around doing nothing. Go to Haggai real quick. Haggai is the second or third last book of the Old Testament. So here he is. Haggai's on the scene. The work set idle for 13, 14, 15 years, depending on who you ask. On August 29th, the second year 
of King Darius's reign. Now, at this point, there's a new king on the scene. His name is Darius. And I think it's kind of cool because Darius is kind of like Pharaoh or even like, uh, it's just a, name, a general name. It's not a name like Darius Rucker. This would be like a designation. So on the 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah. Zerubbabel would have been one given the task to go back and, and, and build. He would have been like the man in charge. He would have been like the general contractor that was given the decree from Cyrus all those years ago, go back and rebuild the temple. Okay? And to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And I think it's crazy here because Jesus performs three offices. He's our high priest. He's our leader. And he's the son of... It's just it's, it's crazy. Okay. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Let's stop right there. You know what that's, that's called? Excuses. Because there was a prophecy all these years ago, and they were saying, well, the proper time, technically it's only 68 years. The prophecy says after 70 years. God, God uses Haggai to come, saying, why are you making excuses? And the problem with that is I see excuses. I ask about six people to come to church tonight that don't normally come. Well, you know, I got this going on. I got a party going on. I mean, you could be out of there by 7.30, you'd be 8. You could... No, I'm, I'm cool, but thanks. And I've asked these people again and again and again. And they're making excuses just like the people. They're saying, well, the, the timing is not right. Or let me say this. We've asked people in this ministry to, um, hey, consider joining the cleaning team. Hey, consider teaching a class. I made a list of the various ministries we have. This is the Hebrew word. Shitzidik. S-H-T-S-Y-D-K. It's the new ministry we just started. It's a, it's Shitsidik. Say hi to someone you don't know. It's an acronym. You guys ever do that? It's a really heavy, hard ministry. But some people would say, well, the time's not right. You see, I'm, I'm a little anxious. <laughs> you know, I've got this anxiety thing going. So I'm just going to creep in the back door. Good. So here, here, oh, okay. Cleaning ministry takes a special anointing for that. A lot of people making a lot of excuses for why you're not involved in this church. You see the correlation, but recovery groups, well, I don't really, you know, I'm cool. Never smoked weed my whole life. So, excuses. The timing's not right. Because it's on a Wednesday night. You know, um, I'm watching NSCIS Miami or whatever. Well, wait till Thursday. There's another one on every state. Stop making excuses. Women's group, watch this. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 20 different ministries, 21 if you include the motorcycle crew, to be involved in here. If you're involved in any ministry at all, maybe it's just walking through the door. Raise your hand. Thank you. If you're not, stop making excuses. Well, my back hurts. I'd love to, but you know what? Your back didn't hurt you. You're here. You can empty a bag of trash out. This is the same thing that was happening to when, when he went back on the scene. All they did was make excuses. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious homes while my house lies in ruins? Kind of funny. You got enough energy. There's no excuses in building your home. 
what the problem with building mine is. Mine's sitting over here in rooms. It's been like this for 16, 17 years when I sent Zerubbabel back to rebuild it. He got a little bit of flack. Zerubbabel, when he went back to rebuild the temple, here's what happened. He got discouraged. Anybody ever get discouraged? He got discouraged because you were getting a little flack from people around him saying, hey, uh, uh, what are you doing? And they wanted to join him. They were pagans. You couldn't have them join in. He said, no, you can't have any part of this work. And then people were saying, who sent you guys? So they were getting flack from the people around them. They were getting flack from the officials around them. All the stuff was happening that discouraged them, and they stopped working. See, a lot of people, when they come to Jesus, why are you at the church all the time? And they get discouraged. Or maybe it's not coming along as fast as you think it should be. Maybe you think you are a little... I want to be ahead of where you are. And you get discouraged and you just stop. You just walk off the range before even the good stuff happens. That's a bummer, man. You're leaving a temple half done. And then you wonder why things aren't going your way. I've been there, done that, okay, for the record. Let me tell you a little story. In 2000 to 2000, let's see, got saved in 1993. And I went through the basic things, you know, you learn about this. And I really wasn't getting the whole thing to be holy as I am holy, declareth the Lord. Like you really need to try. Just try not to do stupid things. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the grace when you put forth a little bit of effort. Right? So I did pretty good until 2000 came along and the preacher crashed. And my ladder of faith was leaning against the preacher and I went down with the preacher. Don't put your faith in the preacher. Put it, into, put it into God, okay? Because preachers, as you guys well know, are fallible. God is not fallible. Anyway, well, wouldn't you know it, hockey kind of sneaked into our life. And Barry made me play hockey every night of the week. Yeah, we did rock. We did rock. Hockey was. But the problem with that was, wasn't hockey. The problem with hockey was the position it took in my life. That's all. So between 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, when I stand before the Lord, not at the great white throne judgment, thank you, I don't stand to that. I'll stand at the Bema seat, and they'll say, well, you started pretty good. You had a good rookie year. Wow, did lots of stuff. 94 was not, uh, 96 was a little sketchy as you worked it out. No, great. What happened here? Uh, I got to blame the preacher on that one. Barry did it. I just left. I can't tell you, as you watch what happens here. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in Lake Jerusalem while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. I like another version where it says, consider your ways. Think about this guy, not that guy, not the preacher, not my uncle, my mama, my daddy. Consider your ways. You've planted much, but harvest a little. You eat but are never satisfied. You drink but are never. You are still thirsty. You put on clothes but can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Dude, I remember the, that season that we knew Jesus and we walked off the range. We left the temple. Keeping in mind, in the New Testament, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's us. God inhabits us now. Individuals and corporately as a body of believers, right? But during that season, we, it wouldn't have mattered. We worked 100 hours a week. There was never enough money. At the end of the week, there was always more bill than paycheck. It did not matter. We, it, everything we did worked against us. 
it makes sense to sound like this. We were never happy. We were never content. Uh, we, we won three championships playing hockey. And then the third one, I'm like, maybe if we got four. Maybe if we did, who? see what I'm saying? You were never content. And I know people in their lives right now that have tons of money, and guess what? Tons of money, tons of cool stuff. They have all the stuff. They planted much but harvest little. You eat never satisfied. You drink and still thirsty. You put on clothes, can't keep warm. Your wages disappear. You're putting them in pockets with holes. They are never happy. They are never satisfied because God does not have prominence in them and it's supreme in their life. It's not, it's, it, it will never work. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you or consider your ways. So who thinks we need revival? Who thinks it, when you say the word revival would presuppose that something's off? If you have to redo something, you're presupposing that something's out of order that, that needs to be corrected. Right? Would you say the country's a little? Maybe a little out of order? Do you think by kicking God out of school is a good thing? Do you think eventually when you do that kind of thing, you will reap what you're sowing? Do you think by allowing some of the things our government allows, you know, killing babies, do you think that 60 or 70 million babies aborted since Roe versus Wade in the 70s? Do you think God is uh, a little maybe upset? Do you think possibly even in the new covenant, some of the craziness going on in our culture, maybe even some of the fires, Maybe even some of the earthquake, as we blame other things. It's, it's global warming. Do you think it possibly could be us that we have gone sideways, that we need to get on our face and repent as a country? Or do you think it's blaming others as opposed to God saying, consider your ways? Do you think that maybe we uh, need revival? Where does revival start? In whose heart? Mine? Yours? Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Anytime you see somebody saying, or in the Bible saying, go up to the hills, what's that mean? Who else went up, up on a mountain? Who else? Yeah, what were they doing up there? Just hanging out, getting a view? Oh, this is beautiful. They were getting with the Lord. What do you want from me? He's saying, go up into the hills and think about such things. Consider your ways. What, what, get your act together. Why in the world is my house lying in ruins, and why am I second in your life? Or third, or fourth. Things are way out of order, I remember. I've got another camper story, guys. It's embarrassing, really. I remember laying in bed, and the bathroom over here, was in shambles. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get up tomorrow, Lord. I'm going to get out there. I'm taking that pan. And then the Lord put us interesting, Randy, because I was studying the book of Haggai. This is a couple, three months ago. Interesting because you can't even use the bathroom, even though we're the house of the God. But he also, this is a corporate house. It's kind of funny how your camper has a really, really cool deal going on, and you can't even have the time to come up and fix my bathroom. You know, and I was like, 
Hey, Lynn, it appears that uh, tomorrow we'll be repairing the bathroom. Now, beside the point, it had to get all ripped out. That's beside the point. But I think when you do that, and you're listening to the Lord, and he's speaking to you. If you act on it, it's grace upon grace. And he, if, if you're not doing the little thing he told you to do, he's not going to show you any more stuff. And then, of course, you know the story when I got back from the trip. I bought another camper because we are created to worship something. We're created to worship God. And if we're not careful, we keep God before us all of the time. We'll end up worshiping something that is not God. Right? But God also came to give you life and give it life funding. He wants us to have good things. And I think this book, Haggai, two chapters, is so packed with what they're doing wrong and how to come back. Go up on a mountain, get along with God, and bring me the timber. What do you mean by bringing timber? First of all, let me say this. Remember, Jerusalem had sat idle for 50 years. So there was plenty of timber, and it was close. Hadn't been, hadn't been cut in 50 years, so there was plenty of timber, and they had ready access to it. But what's he saying to us? Get along with God. What can you bring to the table? I ain't got no money, preacher. What can you do? Can you empty a bag of trash? What kind of a special anointing does it take to go pick up a bag of trash and take it out there? Maybe that's your wood. How, what kind of a special anointing does it say, man, you know, my back's kind of hurt, but I think I could probably run that vacuum cleaner. What kind of special anointing? Maybe it's your wood to, hey, I, don't, I got more money than energy, for real. You know, the electric that we keep in this place and all the things that we do around the world, India, Uganda, all these places we do, it takes money. Right? Oh, here you go. He's talking about money. Some people are really getting puckered right now. He never talks about money. Well, it's the full counsel of God. Bring your tithes to the house of God, right? This is how we're able to bless people. By the way, everybody knows we're not paid, right? Have you collected any? What's your salary for Misfits? Oh, zero? Okay. I'm doubling mine. 0.0. Katrina's not paid. None of the band members are paid. Christina's not paid. Nobody is paid. Right? We still, it takes money. So maybe that's your wood. Maybe your wood is being involved in children's ministries. Not on this side of heaven. It's a backloaded contract for certain. <laughs> Men's groups, recovery groups, women's groups, special activities. We have two coming up. We have a Thanksgiving thing and a, and a corporate worship thing we're doing in December. We got building stuff. We got walls back there that need painted. I don't know why the preachers have to. Just because we're painters doesn't mean somebody else could do some painting around here for Pete's sake. I always say Pete's sake. We need to say for Dave's sake. For Sean's sake. How about that? We'll say that. Why do we have to do it? Why does Christina have to do it? Why does Katrina have to do it? It's the same people doing the same thing all of the time, and you wonder why your life is going nowhere. You wonder why you have holes in your pockets. You wonder why perhaps even this. Check this out. Somebody alluded to this earlier. What if your physical health revolved around taking care of your spiritual temple? Like, you're not serving. You haven't. You've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years. God started this good work in you. And you just kind of come and consume a seat. What a bummer. You are really missing it. Now, 
Some people right now are going, I, I'm never coming. You know what? I'm, I, I'm just not coming back to that church. I'm going to go. But you know what? If, if Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, if you really recognize and understood what he did on the cross for you, out of gratitude, you're going to want to serve in the house of the Lord. You're going to want to. Doesn't mean a lot of ministries don't happen out there. Amen. I hope each and every you have that sphere of influence that Barry talked about last week in your job, in your school. And I hope that you're being a positive influence there. But for Pete's sake, there's stuff here that needs to be done too. This is the Lord's house. Even though in the New Testament, we are the temple. Yes, but this is the house of the Lord. And there are things we need to be done around here that we can't do because we don't have enough people to do. We got a parking lot ministry. How about that? Who's heading that up, Tim? Is that Rob? You've all told Rob. Amen. Good job. You're really learning, Tim. So uh, this winter, we're hoping to have like a valet kind of thing, you know, for older people like, my gosh, it's probably me. <laughs> anyway, whatever. A little valet deal that we could drop people off because we get in trouble if we park in the fire lane. The Warrington gets all worked up. So we're going to have that kind of thing going. And what I'm saying is that could be the wood that you're bringing to the alt. That could be your wood. That could be you. And maybe you're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I'm getting more revelation. I just have a little more pep in my step. I just got a little more joy. I don't know what it is. Maybe because you're serving the Lord, and that's what we're created and designed to do. We were created to do good works. That's what the Bible says. That's what we were created for. We weren't created to sit in a pew. You know why the pew get a name pew? Think about it. Smart people tell them. And look at your neighbor and say, consider your ways. Look at the other neighbor and say, consider your ways. And maybe the very fact that you're here tonight, this isn't for you. You had a thousand other choices to do tonight, yet you chose to come. Some have driven an hour and said, you know what? I'm going to go up in there and see what's going on at the church. And it has nothing to do with misfits for Jesus, right? This is just a little community of faith that we are, this is our home. And by the way, we're making a cool little partnership with Warrington Wesleyan Church. Really cool pastor. We're going to be doing some stuff. And his vision is, what if we pastored a community? And I dig the guy. And he's really, really cool. And he's, a, he's from California. We'll deal with that. <laughs> but he loves Jesus. Amen. It had some really cool things. But the point being, uh, we have to get out of our little pews, out of our little myopic little view of our world. And I have a feeling, as we'll see, I'm going to wrap this up because Faith has to go do some stuff. Bring down timber and rebuild my house. If you've stopped, if you've walked off the range, if Jesus came and saved you eight months, one year, three and five, and you've walked off, you've stopped building and working on your temple, when's the best time to start? And you, you're already doing it because you're already here. That tells you that you know something's going on. It's good for me to be in the house of the Lord. David said, it's good for me, right? So don't get all worked up. He just, man, I just came in and just, you, bam. Preach it by, I'm bloody my nose. This is an encouraging message, right? So I'm encouraging you wherever you are, don't stop. Then, how about this? This is the good news. Bring, build, then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Wow. God just wants just a little bit of effort. I love the picture that Michelangelo drew of, you know, actually we saw it. And the David. You know, God's just reaching down from heaven, just reaching with this big old arm, just reaching down, going, just grab my hand, please, I love you. And then David's like, well, I don't know. You're only God. 
The Bible says God is jealous. He's a jealous God. It, it's not jealous like we would think, man, I'm really jealous. Oh, boy, I'll pow! I'll mess you up, dude. Not like that. It'd be like, I'm jealous for you because you're settling for something other than your best. I have something really, really good for you, but you're settling for this nonsense, and you're off doing stupid stuff, and you know it doesn't work because of all the aforementioned things. You've got holes in your pockets. You're not satisfied. Nothing fills you up no matter what you do, and you keep trying to do it, and God is jealous for you because he knows, I have something better for you, but you don't want it. I've been that guy. Really, you have a thing to say, don't be that guy. Don't be me. You hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, guess what? I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine homes. You know, you're so worried about your stuff. We're all so self-absorbed about our stuff. God's saying, why don't you worry about my stuff, and then you'll have the best stuff. I'll take care of, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom and this righteousness, or the right way of living, and I'll give you everything else you wanted. Not you wanted. I don't want to say it's like a jukebox or like a genie. It doesn't work like that. But Barry had a really good point, several good points. Last week's message was great. You need to watch it again if you haven't seen it. Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, self-control, a long-suffering, all those things. That's what God, walking with God and loving God and ascribing to his rules and walking in obedience brings. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. What if America is being judged? Hardcore. Even in the age of grace, preacher. Even, but Jesus loves us, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He loves you enough to not let you get too far out. America needs, maybe that's what it's going to take for us to turn and come home and get back and get to work doing the work that God gave America to do. America is still, as we've traveled around, and we've been blessed to be able to travel to other countries. Don't believe the lies that everybody hates America. We've been to other countries, and they still look to America like the shiny hope. Like, oh man, they're Christian. Well, yeah. There's always a remnant, though. There's always a remnant. This had to, I would say this is a remnant right here. All the things you could have done, Paige, you came and you hung out with us. All the things you could have and you hear. That's a great sign, guys. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all of your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you work so hard to get. Why? Because I love you. It's not climate change. It's not that administration, this administration, those guys, it's us. And sometimes God is the one doing it. Then Zerubbabel and Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people, what? you got to be kidding me, began to obey the message from the Lord their God. You know, this is like the only prophet they actually listened to and did what he said, and it unlocked the door. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. You know, they feared him. And you can look at it a couple different ways. Well, you mean fear? Like, that's part of it. Don't, don't you think for a second that's not part of it. But they're always saying reverence for the words. In other words, you said it, I'm going to do it. 
And there's also a scripture in Hebrews, one of my favorite scriptures that said, they heard the same word that you did, but didn't profit them because they weren't mixed with faith. In other words, when God says it, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And there are a lot of people in this room today that God said, when I come to set the captive free, you believe it because you've been in captivity and you're grateful. But the mistake that these guys are making, the same mistake we don't want to make, is to forget what he did for us and to allow ourselves into a slumber and walk off before he's done with us. And you just kind of sit around, wonder why things aren't going. You know, you constantly have to pursue the things of love. Peter said to add to your faith goodness, add to your faith knowledge, add, 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 add. You constantly have to be on the move. I know what it's like to not be on the move. I know what it's like to go through the motions and get caught standing still. Not a good place to be. I'm not saying we shouldn't rest. God, Jesus is all about rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. We can rest and cease from doing our own works to please the Lord and rest in his accomplished work on the cross. We can rest in that, but we're never going to rest. We can't sit idle and do nothing. Because when you do, you're a sitting duck. And then you walk off and all this stuff happens to you and you wonder, what, what's, what's, what's going on, man? The economy just must be tanking. You know what? In heaven, there's no recession. They began to obey the message of the Lord. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord God sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. Now watch this. After they obeyed, he said, I am with you, says the Lord. Is that cool? Like when you begin to do things God's way, you almost hear that little gentle whisper, still small voice, I'm with you. And I'm pleased with what you're doing. Is that a great place to be in? But if you don't know the word, and this is, this is the word of God, in those days they didn't have that. We have the Bible. We don't need a special messenger named Haggai to come to us and say, hey, man, you're really screwing up here. Wouldn't it be kind of nice, though? Huh. How about you show up on Saturdays and we'll all kind of get through together reading the word of God, and he will talk to us. That's what he's doing right now. Some of you people, somebody in this room right now is sitting idle. You're this close to walking out the range because you're kind of tired, this whole... Being a good boy seems kind of boring. Who's been a bad boy in their life? I like this church. We all cut out of the same cloth. And we know what it's like to be on the wrong side. And if you're honest, and sometimes there were pretty exciting times. Come on, don't be lying to me. But you also know, because you got wisdom, where that leads. And you know it's nowhere. Right? So sometimes in walking with the Lord, you just got to put up with a little bit of boredom because if you get over the hump, which I think a lot of people are in, you understand how good, how exciting. It is a great adventure, and every day is different, and every day is exciting in its own way. See what I'm saying? But you got to stick with it long enough. You can't leave with an unfinished project. Going back to what I first said, don't be that guy. I am with you. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel. You know, enthusiasm, being fired up for the Lord is a grace. Right? And it comes through what? Obedience to the word. Even though you have all this outside stuff discouraging you, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And the enthusiasm, how about this? And the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. If you want revival, 
which we want revival. I want revival in my home, in our church, in our country. I don't want to always be against the wind. I don't want that. We don't want that. What's the key? What's the key, guys? Obedience. Now, like legalism? Is that what you're saying, preacher? Like legal, like Jesus is mad at us when we don't do the right thing? Well, because obedience brings blessing. And understanding always comes after obedience. Sometimes you, when you know the right thing to do, and you're like, man, I don't know, dude. That's looking real good over there. But I know that's wrong. I'm going to do this. And the understanding follows that. And so does the blessing after that, right? But it all starts with, two knowing the Word of God, knowing what He said. Has anybody been reading this thing lately? Who's been reading this? Let's do, let's do the honest thing. If you are not reading very much, and I'm not calling you out, just be honest and say, raise your hand. And you'd like to know more about it. Okay, bam. Thank you for the honesty. Bam. Th- See, that's, that's a step. Because you know what that does? That says, God saying, oh, that's my girl right there. That's my boy because you're being honest as opposed to saying, oh, I'm in it every day. Man, I, I got that. I've, I've been reading that book of Hezekiah and stuff. Huh? Right? It's honest, being honest, right? Because there are a lot of, you don't have one? You're getting one tonight. Amen. And it's one you can, you have young guys, so you can probably read the little bit stuff, so whatever. My point being, you'll, you'll, there's a blessing that comes from knowing God's will and walking in his ways and in obedience and an understanding that follows. You have to stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, but you'll never know until you get in it. This is our Haggai, the Word of God. It tells us which, what to do. Now, you can argue with God over like some stuff in there going, I, that's, uh, uh, let me know how that works out. He usually wins, I'm just going to say. He's been doing this a lot. He's pretty good at this stuff, running the world and everything, creating the world. So, yeah, he's pretty good at it. Hmm? Bless you. Now, watch this. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies. By the way, the Lord of Heaven's armies. Don't you think that if the Lord of Heaven's armies, he could rebuild the temple like that? But he chose to let us do it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't work to be saved. Work because you are saved. When you understand like how vile you are and everybody. Now listen, I'm not saying I'm not one of those guys self-defeatist. And, and I'm just saying when you really look at your heart, you have to understand you do need a Savior, right? Right? Am I, I'm the ugliest person in here. Apart from Jesus. Right? So, and I, I like, Lord, show me the error of my ways. Show me. I don't want to be that unfinished project. I don't want to be the guy that walks off the ranch. And sometimes I feel like walking off for real. We all feel like that. Except for a super spiritual guy that, oh, I'm, I'm just killing it every day. You see, I went up there to get my timber from the mountain, and I never left that mountain. That's how I live my life. I was like, wow. Kind of sucks to be like the rest of us. We can't. So every, even Moses had to come down off that mountain sometime. You ever meet that person that feels like they have the red bat phone? Like, they're just on that high. They're getting so much revelation, dude. I mean, like, wow. Wow. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. And I know it's a marathon. It's not always easy. And you don't always get that revelation. And sometimes it's your own doing. And sometimes that's just how it is. 
So I'm not sure if that rambling uh, made sense, but the point, the point of all of that, if you're saved and you've walked off the range and y- your life is not going well, maybe it's that you just need to come home and get back into Jesus and get back into the Word and get back into walking with and you get back into the community of faith wherever you live. I'm not saying come to Misfits and drink the Kool-Aid or anything like that. I'm just saying get into a community of faith where the Bible is taught, love is shared, where you can serve in the house of the Lord, where you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you were created to good works. That's why you were created, right? And when you do that, watch what happens. I challenge the guy to read the Bible for 30 days and tell me for life doesn't change. Read it with an open mind. Just read it and tell me for life doesn't change. So that's what we got. Happy, uh, give me some Snickers. Those are my favorite. I do believe they're Jesus' favorite too. That and Starburst. Bow your heads, guys. I'm going to give you one, one chance to accept the Lord into your heart. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you, he's been in your family. And, but you've never said, personally, I want Jesus. If that is you, raise your hand, and I'll talk to you after service and show you how that's done. We'll grab the gang and, and help. Anybody? Anybody tonight? Going once, going twice. So I'm preaching to the choirs tonight. Okay, that's great news. So I'm, I'm talking to the saints tonight. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you are a high priest, you are a prophet, and you are a king, Lord. The, tr- the three office, Lord, I thank you for that, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name uh, that we would allow you the grace, that you would give us the grace, Lord, to finish what you complete. I pray for those that are wandering, that have gotten off track, Lord, that they would come home and get on with this thing. I do pray that uh, for the ministries in this church that you would staff it, that you would bring people, that they would be able to participate in what's happening around here, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that directs and guides our life. We thank you for the sacrifice made on that cross for us, Lord. Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.